every Friday before a big game day, we welcome in our buddy Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. Dot com. We'll get his picks and his takes, and we'll let you know how you can get in touch with Lee if wet in the beak is your thing. But, Lee, before we dive into the games, first of all, I hope you and the family had a great Thanksgiving. Um, do you think how, there's how this, any – Chris? How about oh, go this, ahead. Chris? So I went to New York City. Always wanted to do the Macy's Day Parade. Oh, cool. And it was the perfect day. It was like 53 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. And it was worth every second of it. To see so many – people just having the best time it was incredible and watch kids you know watching the floats and the balloons and the bands was amazing it was literally 35 to 40 people deep on both sides for the mile or two that we walked along incredible and i heard like gonna be 15 20 deep was easily 35 to 40 deep so that was fun and then other than also going to see all my teams the dolphins and the heat Took my wife to Billy Joel, and which was another bucket list thing. We end up leaving as the concert's ending, walk a couple blocks, get into an Uber, drive a block, and who pulls up right next to us with his windows down, getting ready to smoke a cigar? None other than Billy Joel. And my oh, how wife, cool, man. She had a minute conversation with him, so nothing could go wrong last week. How about you? Heck, yeah, man. Same, same. Oklahoma won. BYU couldn't pull it off. uh, And the Raiders got smoked, so that minimized my hope on Sunday, so that's good. Hey, let me – do you think, Lee, that there is any way, any way at all, that Florida State can win, finish undefeated, and get left out of the playoffs? There's no way that can happen, right? I think it can happen, yeah. You know, they left the door open. If you listen to the statement – a yes. person who runs the committee, the I think it's the the, the four most deserving teams, and mm-hmm. I, I think if Florida State ends up there, believe it or not, I think that there's a chance they could get housed the way that mm-hmm. Cincinnati or TCU did. So I think that that's in the back of their mind, and if that hadn't happened, those two blowouts the last two years. Maybe not, but uh, it always works out right. uh, the way you doesn't think it's going to work out. Never goes one, two, three, and four win. Never. Yeah, mm, you know, there's always something weird that happens. All right. Yeah. Well, right. Lee, let's get in. Let's get into okay. your games that you've got an eye on for this week that you've picked out for us. We start with the AAC championship, and boy, Tulane's been really good this year. But so has SMU. My uh, three point favorite is Tulane in this game. What do you think? How do you see this thing playing out? So if SMU had their starting quarterback for this game, I think that they might pull it off. I mean, Tulane has been incredible in the red zone defense. But without their star quarterback, and Preston Stone's been really good the last four or five weeks, I think it's going to be tough. This kid, Michael Pratt, quarterback for Tulane, who has accepted an offer, and I think he's going to – playing the senior bowl, I heard. Mm-hmm. There's still um, an outside chance he comes back and transfers, but he is really good. I think he has a live arm. When he's healthy, he is tough to beat. I like Tulane. I think he's gonna, they're going to end up in another, a second straight January 1st bowl, Tulane 31-21. Does the committee get some help, Lee? Florida State <laughs> favored by a couple against Louisville. Does the committee get help? How do you see it playing out? 
Tape with Rodemaker, I'm hearing to a very good source, game time decision. He's in concussion Whoa. protocol. If he doesn't play, they don't have a shot. If he plays, I still don't like him. They only had 224 total yards last week in a game that Florida dominated for three quarters. Florida ran for 146 yards on them. They, uh, they've got uh, Louisville has some really good running backs and receivers, which Florida does not have in better quarterback. And how about this? Louisville's had three games where they turned the ball over three times. The first two times after that, the next game, they handled Notre Dame, one easy, 33-20, and then shut out Duke, 23 nothing. I expect them to rebound here. Just one of those teams, when you count them out, they have their best game. You are going to get some help here, all these other teams. Louisville, outright 30-24. to I was really surprised when I saw that number move, and now that makes yep. some sense. All right, Georgia-Alabama. It's uh, one of those games that we're actually going to see in the regular season next year for a change, but felt like these were the two best teams in the SEC, maybe the two best teams in the country. We get to see them square off Saturday afternoon in Hotlanta. What do you think, Lee? Both of these teams were sleepwalking last week, but everyone – is really just talking about Alabama because of the way they came back and won the game. Fourth and 31 with a shocking touchdown. Now, Mario Cristobal is not taking a knee, the, the biggest coaching blunder of the year. But I think the second biggest coaching blunder was Auburn only rushing two and having a spy on fourth and 31. Would you agree with that? <laughs> I agree with you, Lee. Absolutely. All right. How about Georgia? No one's talking about them. They struggled to win 31-23 in their game against Georgia Tech last week. The last two games, they've allowed 4.9 yards per carry against Tennessee and Georgia Tech, while Bama's averaged over 5.9 yards per carry the last four games. Both offensive and defensive lines, I think, are about even. I think Jalen Milrow's dual-threat ability to extend plays will be the difference here. I know Georgia's won. 29 straight games, but Alabama has won seven of the last eight in the series, and they have all the motivation. I think Georgia has a shot to get in if they lose by seven or less. We're going to go with Alabama here. Wrong team favored. Outright 27-23. That would uh, make things interesting. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of potentially making things interesting, Texas favored by two scores, 14 points for the Longhorns over Oklahoma State. Cowboys, do they have a chance to make this interesting in the Big 12 championship? A chance, but they've got to score early, and they've got to stay within seven points. If they fall behind by double digits, I think they're in trouble. So I rate rosters, and before the season, I had the Oklahoma State roster maybe the 10th best. I I think they're still at best 7th or 8th best roster. They might still be only the 4th or 5th best team, in my opinion, Coaching staff has done an incredible job. They came back from two touchdowns to beat a not a very good Houston team and maybe the worst BYU team in the last 30, 40 years. They are that bad. So give them credit. But Texas, I think, on first down is going to stymie Oklahoma State and put them into long down and distance situations. And that's where they've had a ton of problems. So, I think Texas gets it done with style points here, 41-13.
Yeah, I, that number kind of keeps moving up. I think I saw 15 and a half. Uh, at a few other places. All right, Lee, you always give us a game of the week, a free play that people can get just by simply calling you. Who you got this week? What's the free play? Yep, free play is going to be Houston and Denver. I never thought we'd be discussing these two teams as possible (laughs) wild card uh, teams, but that's the case here. Fun teams to watch the last couple weeks. Uh, You want to get this game for free. First five callers get it, 800 400 Nine seven four one. First five callers get it for free. Again, that number one eight hundred four hundred nine seven four one. And big week here. Paramount Sports. The UFC comes back. Got five to seven selections there. Just forty seven dollars. Big month in the UFC. Uh, and then also it's double down December. We've won ten of fourteen weeks in college football this year and only had two losing Sundays in the NFL. You get all my championship week selections and the 35 bowl games from now through December 31st and five weeks of the NFL. Last year it was 497. I'm not going to make it 397. Lowest price ever for 31 days of action. My executive phone service just $297. One place, ParamountSports.com. Always appreciate the insight, Lee. Good luck this weekend, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Are you rooting for the chaos theory this weekend, Josh? Are you rooting for, say, a Bama to win and even, say, Florida State to win? I, what's your dream scenario for the championship weekend? If I take, Of the games that matter for the playoffs. If I take the Iowa coverage out of it. I well, would, even with that, if you want. Well, obviously, would love to see a wild upset there would be great for business for yours truly, but... Uh, beyond that, uh, yeah, I, I want to see what happens. I want to see folks squirm a little bit. If Florida State and Texas both win, if Bama beats uh, Georgia, and uh, if if Michigan wins and if Oregon wins, right? I mean, that would be uh, – how do they handle it? I, I don't know. You notice that Nick Saban in his Thursday uh, chat with Pat McAfee already started. He already started. We win, we belong in. As, SEC. As he should, right? Mm-hmm. As he should. In fact, I think he even went as far as saying two teams. Here's what's now, and this is something that we cannot possibly quantify or predict right now. If that, I think this... Dave Bartu, Adam, Adam McClintock, I reached out. I didn't hear back yet. I know he's busy. Uh, and he may he may have a new phone number. But I was hoping to get him on today. Maybe Monday will be better because we'll have the numbers and how things play out. I So when I say that, my point is I think the kind of game we get is going to matter. Now, I bring up Adam and Bartu because what's their belief, Josh? There's no such thing as the eye test. There's no such thing as the eye test. But I will go to my grave to this day, believing that in 2014, what Ohio State did in that Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin catapulted them ahead of TCU and Baylor. And from that point forward, that was when the Big 12 said, we've got to get that extra data point. Sure. 13th right? data point. That was, uh, that was big the big phrase. buzzword after Ohio State smacked Wisconsin. So, to me... I think if we get 
like a legendary game between Alabama and Georgia that goes down to the wire. That Bama wins. That Bama wins. And it's not a situation to where Georgia looks vulnerable or gassed or anything of that nature. You're going to have yourself some dudes selling for both those teams to get in. Sure. And and if Chalk holds around, Lee, Lee hit it on the head. History is on the side of, hey, take care of your business and you're in, right? I, I read that Ralph Russo tweet. Did I read this earlier or not? Uh, I don't think so. Go ahead and read it. If Florida State, Florida, he writes, I made it clear I think FSU could be in a unique, could be in unique trouble this weekend in college football playoff inclusion. It would be unprecedented. History is on the Knowles side. Since 1998 and the creation of the BCS, no undefeated Power 5 team has been denied an opportunity to play for a national title in favor of a team with one loss. And again, that's, you know, that's 20, oh gosh, carry the one, 29 years? No, hold on, 98. 25 years. 25 years, sorry. 29 I keep thinking that I graduated from high school in 97. That's when I graduated from college. But I would counter that by saying, since 1998, that's when we just started actually having the two quote-unquote best teams play each other. Prior to that, our champion was decided by what? A bowl game that might have involved the two best teams not playing each other and the final poll. So... I think that Lee hit it on the head. They were setting the table. They were setting it up for us not to be surprised, Josh, by anything that happens in the final balloting, if you will. Florida State probably needs to do itself its own favor and not squeak by. If you're going to win and you're going to be unbeaten, do it in some type of impressive fashion. But as uh, Lee was discussing there, look, if if the quarterback can't go, Oh, man, they're uh, in a world of hurt. So it's funny that he mentioned that because um, I I am a big – I try to consume every college football podcast that's out there. I really do. Now, some, some mystery podcast, some, uh, you know, crime podcast. You know, Brooke will give a podcast suggestion, and the next thing you know, I'm all over it. But I had not heard anything about the Tate Rodemaker. Or Rodemaker <clears throat> I told you, I can, I'm going to say his name wrong a thousand times. <laughs> about the Tate Rodemaker injury. There hasn't been much. But yesterday on the, uh, on the athletic pod, they said, yeah, you know, they've got those, those rumors swirling. So the Chop Chat website went back and dug a little bit. And they said that Rodemaker with 345 to go in the fourth quarter. It was third and 14. He tried to slide to protect himself, which was a late decision. And he got rocked by two Florida Gator defensive ends. They, they tried to hit a hit. They tried to get a good hit on him. And it ended up in a 15-yard penalty. Because one of the guys got him with the crown of the helmet. It was a 15-yard targeting. Rodemaker was slow to get up. True freshman Brock Glenn actually came in and 
had one play, Josh, and handed off to Trey Benson for a 26-yard touchdown. I one play. Last night, the rumors went nuts on X that Brocklin has been taking the snaps in practice this week. Now, again, you and I have both. I've, well, and we can go back to the. We can all go back to the debate over what really happened in the C.D. Lamb sitting out against Baylor, right? Was it a concussion from the hit he took on the punt return, and it took a couple days? Uh, for the symptoms to set in, or what's the other rumor? He got in a brawl on campus corner. I don't know. I'm just telling you what's out there. And he ended up not playing, right? But yet, Lincoln Riley went as far as he went through all the pregame warm-ups, right? And they even told the ESPN crew that he was playing. And then whenever they kicked the game off, C.D. Lamb's over there on the sidelines in a letterman's jacket. (laughs) And he's done. So... You just sometimes you don't know. And if I'm Mike Norvell and if I'm anyone with Florida State, dude, I am not letting that get out at all, right? But no, no, of course not. Here's what though is kind of interesting. I would think if you're Florida State, the line is already much tighter than I ever thought it would be because of Jordan Travis's injury. But there was some line movement yesterday too. It moved with let me make sure I get this correct. It moved from Florida State. It opened Florida State at six and a half. It dropped to four and a half, five and a half, three and a half. Jo- uh, Josh, it's now a two and a half point spread. Right. Something's up. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're guarding against the fact that they don't think Rodemaker's playing. Mm. Which, hey, st- you know, it does help Florida State if they've known that concussion protocol probably not going to get cleared or mm-hmm. they're not going to risk it, and they've known that all week. Well, now now you get Glenn uh, the full week of reps. He's he's a freshman, was a four-star kid coming in. So, you know, on paper, talented. He was an Elite 11 uh, finals member in uh, the summer of 22. So, talented quarterback, inexperienced, green at the gills, big spot uh, with the, everything on the line for Florida State. But it does help potentially to have the entirety of the week with the understanding you're playing, man. Mm-hmm. You better get ready like you're going to play. And Tate Rodemaker, Tate Rodemaker, you would have to assume, Josh, that he needs tons of reps, right? I know he's been there for years. He, he became only the fourth Florida State true freshman to start a game in 2020. But, I mean, your backups don't get a ton of reps. So, it'll be interesting to see who trots out a quarterback for Florida State. Good catch by Lee. Wow, we went a little longer than I expected with that. Quick break. When we come back, let's talk about Oklahoma State, Texas. Again, if you missed our conversation on Tawi Walker, Jason Llewellyn, DJ Graham's in the portal, even some of the buzz about what Danny Stutzman might do, Find the podcast. We were all over it in hour number one. Spent the whole hour on it, right, on what Walker meant to this team and now where he could end up and what it means for the running back room. After the bottom of the hour, we'll hit more of your texts at 405-651-3439 from the Kenneville Meyer Chevrolet text line. But when we come back, let's get a quick little preview of the Big 12 championship game right here on the Home of Center Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh on Plank. We're at Riverwind Casino 
It is um, loaded with events. A lot of big-time events coming up here at Riverwind Casino. You can learn more at riverwind.com. Um, we talked a lot about Tawi Walker entering the transfer portal back in hour one. If you missed it, check it out on the podcast. We'll go more in-depth at the bottom of the hour about you know what's next as far as that depth chart is concerned. Josh, interest level on a scale of 1 through 10 in the Big 12 championship game tomorrow morning. 1 being meh, 10 being you're all in. Uh, I think it's fairly high. Uh, I would probably rate uh, Oregon, Washington, Georgia, Alabama higher in terms of interest uh, for me. But it's it's a solid 7. Okay. Yesterday, I talked to Clint Shelf, former Oklahoma State quarterback, and I asked him, because I'm pretty, I'm about a six, seven and a half, right? I want to I want to see it. And I asked Clint, hey, what is it about this Oklahoma State team to where, I mean, outside of the UCF and the South Alabama game, outside of the Cincinnati game, and a majority of their wins, they, they kind of been left for dead at one point, right? Houston had complete control. Uh, until Jamal Morris decided to stand over Ollie Gordon. West Virginia was cooking. Then all of a sudden, Ollie Gordon and Brendan Presley started doing some incredible things. BYU had him beat. I asked Clint Shelf what he's seen in Oklahoma State that allows that. Yeah, you know, we talked. I talked a little bit about the leadership from the quarterback position with, with Alan Bowman, but that part I just mentioned about the second half and, and Brian Nardo especially making adjustments at halftime, he has done a fantastic job, whether uh, it was the, the Houston game, the BYU game, uh, a lot of different games this year where we've gone in with a game plan. I think the Kansas game was a great example. Uh, they scored, I think, 25, 26 points and only scored seven points in the second half. And, and he has just done a fantastic job of, of making those in-game adjustments. And when you do that, you know, it takes a little bit of pressure off as an offense. You know, you're you're playing from behind, but if your defense keeps giving you stops and, and giving you the ball back, so it, it makes it makes your job a lot easier. Then, as a quarterback, obviously, uh, Ollie Gordon. You know, he, we have a guy like that. You can lean on him if you get down and the defense is getting stops. You can still run the football, and that makes that makes your your job a lot easier, and, and, and it allows them to to really kind of maintain their identity because they're not a good team at coming from behind for the most part when they get too far behind. Uh, but but they've been able to, to run the ball still with, with the defense getting stops, and that helps a ton. Yeah, I agree. agree. Now, here's the thing. Take me through what you think. Oh, hold on, Plank. Shut up. Um, I st- This is going to sound terrible, Josh. And I know that this leads to the Oklahoma State fans that, like, hate listen to the, the show. I still don't know how good they are. Right? I mean – I like Alan Bowman because I think he's a good kid, and I think he was incredible in that first half against Oklahoma, and he was incredible in that second half against BYU. But, I mean, he's still a statue back there. And Ollie Gordon, I feel like Ollie Gordon at least once a game has a moment where you feel like his career is over and he's not going to step back on the field. I remember how he hobbled off the field near the end of the first half against Oklahoma. Like, literally two, two athletic trainers were helping him get off the field. He hobbled off about three or four times against BYU. But, yeah, what does he do? He still goes in there and makes stuff happen. I just, it's, it's impressive. But am I, am I sounding like a bitter ex if I say I still just don't know how good they are? And I still think as an Oklahoma fan, I'm, like, kicking myself at OU lost that game? Well, it, yeah, I mean, it feels like 
Oklahoma and Texas should be playing again tomorrow. I, I think right. uh, Oklahoma, obviously, you know, with what happened in Lawrence and then in particular against Oklahoma State with a couple of the snapping miscues and just the inability to, to go close the thing out, y- yeah, you got to be kicking yourself because OU OU's the – I think second best team in this league and maybe the best team if they turn around and beat Texas again tomorrow. But, hey, it is what it is. They didn't get it done. And uh, Oklahoma State's shown its flaws the the last couple of weeks. I mean, probably should have lost to Houston. Definitely should have lost to BYU. But they didn't, right? They they found a way to go make plays and win it. I uh, I think they're capable of beating Texas, but it would take the, the ripe think, set of circumstances. I, I, how is it always laid out? They got to play – their best game and hope that Texas can make some mistakes. Is there a point for Texas where losing Jonathan Brooks catches up to them? So far hasn't looked looked like the case, but again, no offense, Tech Tina, Texas Tech Josh, not that good this year. Not a good football team. Um, so when they're able to, is the term curb stomp acceptable anymore? Is that frowned upon? I think that's frowned upon now. Whenever they were able to beat them down last Friday, it's impressive. And they didn't allow them any hope, but that's a Texas Tech team that is nowhere near what we expected them to be this year. And what had been kind of the MO of Texas going into that game, they'd kind of played around with their food a little bit, kind of allowed things to hang. So I, I'm a firm believer that if Texas plays well, that they win this by two scores. But they've shown in the past, they've shown that they'll allow teams to hang around. TCU, Houston. Um, I feel like I'm leaving one out in there. Uh, Kansas State. Kansas State. So Two-point conversion try could have beaten them. Could you imagine? Will someone go do the uh, thing? for me to figure out if Kansas State would have won that game, who would be playing in the Big 12 championship game right now? No, no, we can't do that. (laughs) Because I think, Josh, it would have been OU in Texas if Kansas State would have won that. Because then, can't well, Kansas State would have been in the mix too, but they lost – they lost to Iowa State. Hey, uh, we're not doing doing this. K-State, Oklahoma State, because the Big 12 said so under that scenario. (laughs) So tomorrow morning, 11 a.m., I will say – Sucks not being there for Oklahoma. Uh, you know, you kind of wanted to take the title belt with you over to WCW Monday Nitro, but maybe uh, maybe Texas can pull that off. I think the ultimate thing that can happen, right, is if you just want to be able to be the kind of the cynical and make you feel good about things, right, is for Texas to roll Oklahoma State and then get left out of the playoffs, right? <laughs> Even though... If Texas makes the playoffs, there's a really good chance Oklahoma's going to go to a New Year's Day six bowl. And by the way, I've talked to everybody on this, Josh. Everybody. No one has a clear idea or answer if they have to go in ranking order. Nobody. Right? Because I read a I read John Hoover wrote a really nice article on the bowl possibilities, and he said Oklahoma needs to be in that top eleven. I don't think that's necessarily correct. I'm not saying John's wrong, but if you assume that a group of six team, group of five team is going to get a bowl bid, as long as you're still in that top 12, the bowls can take you. 
right? Uh, it's kind of been fairly regular that they'll take higher-ranked teams, but TCU got left out in 2014, and they were higher-ranked than a handful of teams that got into the New Year's Day Six Bowl. So, again, I'm not, I'm not here to try to build up unnecessary hope. I'm just saying, Josh, I have not been able to get a clear answer outside of everybody projecting OU to the Alamo Bowl against Arizona and just immediately dismissing any chance for Texas A to make the playoffs and then be Oklahoma to end up in a New Year's Day Six Bowl. Well, as we've discussed, Oklahoma is a pretty attractive commodity in terms of the way they travel, in terms of the way they rate, now, everything that it would bring to a potential New Year's Six game. Absolutely. So, I mean, the rankings, I think, yes, are a little bit of a guideline in some way, shape, or form to uh, these respective bowl committees. But, look, the, the bowl committees are going to pick who they want to pick. Yeah, exactly. All right, listen, I, I know we're running late. we got a break. When we come back, you guys have been on fire on the text line. Uh, a lot of takes uh, as it pertains to Tawi Walker's exit. And you guys are on fire right now for a story that's developing out of Stillwater involving an Oklahoma State fraternity, which we'll give you the details of next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Welcome back, everyone. It is the Plank Show, hour number two, brought to us by Allison Insurance. Give Bob and Robert Allison a call, 405-745-2968. That's the number to call, allisoninsurance.com. Bob and Robert Allison, they can find the needs to best fit you and your office for insurance. Why? Well, they've been doing it for 60 years. Developing story out of Stillwater, Oklahoma. Yes, we've uh, we've seen your text messages. We've got a bunch of text messages on it involving you guys are all a, uh, over this. <laughs> involving a fraternity house and uh, well, a uh, a nasty scene, Plank. Yeah, they um, they killed a steer. Someone killed a big old steer, and the animal was found on the front steps of the farmhouse fraternity house. Lacey Lowry, we're pals from back in the Tulsa days, Josh. Lacey used to come on 1430 back in the days. What's up, Lacey? An investigation is underway, and officers are searching security cameras. What are, we, what are we doing, man? You know the most trouble, well, we did have a guy that got stabbed at one of our fraternity parties, but um, outside of that, Josh, outside of that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? But it was with a pocket, calm down, it was like a little, one of those, little switchblade knife, wasn't anything, not switchblade, um, uh, Swiss Army knives, is that what they're called, a little bitty one? We ended up on the news. We were on the news, and they had a machete, Josh, with, like, blood off the machete into a football as the picture in the background. It's like, bro, the guy just got nicked with a Swiss Army knife. Now, again, I want to be very clear, Drew Poskin, if you're listening to it. uh, I know that it involves stitches, and I'm glad that you were safe and okay. Love you to death, man. I was in bed. I was not partying that night. But we did have TV news crews out in front of our house, Josh. No lie. It was crazy because of a football player. But, like, beyond that, <laughs> the worst thing we would do is, like, I don't know, someone would drive through one of the fraternity house's yards, right? Or you would have maybe a yelling match about someone who wasn't on the guest list or something. 
What are we doing right now? I have so many questions on this, though, too, Josh. So many questions. Yeah. How how did they get the steer, right? A. How'd you get it there? Yeah. I Did they – was there – I mean, there had to be some other conspirators involved, right? I mean, did, was it just the fraternity members? I mean, I wonder if there's not uh, – an adult somewhere and not to say that the fraternity members aren't adults but you catch my drift that somebody else was involved in this prank it just man it looks so well, bad bro um hold on let me let me do a little how much does a steer weigh oh dude i mean um let's see here on average these animals will weigh approximately 1200 to 1300 pounds yeah i mean so just just Several skinny of a ton. What are we doing? What are you guys doing? That's not like even a one or two man operation. It's not, all right, Johnny, get it up in the back of the truck. Let's go. We're going to lift on three. Like, I have so many questions, and none of them are good. What happened to the good old days of just kidnapping the mascot? Right? Where you wouldn't harm him or murder the poor thing. It's boy, it's pretty dark. Oh, man. And, uh, it's terrible. They Me have, yelling murder the poor thing caught the attention of the crew here at Riverland. Sorry. Sorry, guys. I apologize. They've unfortunately made themselves a national story for all the wrong reasons. This this thing's gonna here? this this will be wildfire today. This will be ABC. Anywhere you look, it'll be uh, a national story. You know what? I agree with you. You know what though? Sean brings up a good point. Uh the Animal House crew did kill a horse, right, when they gave it too many drugs. So there is that with Blutarski and them. Got a little bit too carried away. They gave the horse too much. It felt a little more, felt a little bit more playful with that group. Oh, exactly. And, and I, someone said, is the steer Bevo? I think that's kind of, well, I'm not, I don't know. I don't think anything. I don't know anything. But I think that's kind of like their thing to be like, yeah, take that, Longhorns. We'll show you. What are we? What are you doing? You know what? You're right, Gunny. Gunny's right. Are just cow tipping or slaughtering them? And then, of course, there is this from the 405. Uh, unless you're a vegetarian, stop clutching your pearls. Definitely tacky, but OSU doesn't get to this spot a lot, so they don't know how to act. There's a lot to hey, dissect get- there. Now, first of all, um, I think there is a major difference here, friend. I'm not clutching my pearls because I'll eat that bad boy in a heartbeat. But to just freaking, like, kill the thing and throw it on the front steps of a fraternity house? I mean, come on, what are we doing? There's a humane way to go about it. And then number two, number two, you guys really have to stop on the text line. Now, please. This is because I'll get <laughs> I'll get this from like Sooner Recluse who says just disgusting. And then you'll get this, which is that's typical OSU trying to have a Bevo bash. What are we What are we doing? Why would you say that? And then there's this from the 405. I was rooting for OSU. Now I hope Texas opens up a can of whoop-ass on those hillbillies. They also sliced its stomach open 
and left its guts hanging out. Bro, I mean, if you want to get on us and say, oh, Clutch and Pearl, thing would have been killed for beef anyway. It's pretty depraved. But to do it like this? Yeah, I mean, this isn't, on, uh, this isn't uh, you know, I mean, it's not hunting or it's just, it's a little dark. Got a text here from Josh Giddy that says, that's why I stay away from college kids. Well, see, that's why that's why we can't go to the text line on these things, people. What are we doing right now? Don't anchor me in this situation. Very dangerous. <laughs> Very dangerous. Um, ideal butcher weight is about 1,100 pounds. Yeah. Unbelievable. You know, uh, uh, Jesse, Jesse G says, don't look for the pictures. They are disturbing. You know, they oh, say, that's right. Uh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize. 405 corrected me. You're 100% right. I am sorry. I should be fired from this show. I should be fired from this show right now, Josh Helmer. Casey and Brian, if you want to call me into the office after this program and let me know and let me go, I will completely accept it. Because the 405 points out Animal House shot the horse by accident. It was supposed to be Blank's bachelor party was where they overdosed the mule. My, You know what? You're, I'm submitting my red. How could I screw that up? Because wasn't it Flounder that shot the horse? And like, shoot the horse! And he shot the horse and it fell over dead. Am I screwing it up? You know what, Josh? This requires a watch-along of Animal House for the entire ref army. Let's go. We'll start it up tonight. Thank you for correcting me. All right, we got to, uh, we got a break. We got a break. Just a, a little bit of a wrong story. Morbid. Not a little bit, a lot of it. Morbid. And, and you're right, Josh. There's going to be national headlines around Well, this. I mean, this is, yeah, this is just not good. <laughs> Clinton Tulsa, change of subject, please. All right, let's do back it. Back to we sports. Come back. <laughs> we'll get back. Well, that's a sports-related story. We'll get back to sports and acts of the ref. Back to wrap up. Hour number two. It's the Plank Show right here. On a Friday on the home of Sooner fans, Knippelmeyer, Chevrolet text line, away we go, 405-651-3439. The 580, this is Mark Mark Martin from Tonkawa. I think Tawi was OU's best running back, and they'll miss him in the SEC. He might not have the breakaway speed, but he was a power back that would run over people. I'll miss watching him run. I will, too. Dude, I, I remember hearing Teddy talk about him on the rush weekdays from 3 to 6 here on the ref. And he always said, you know when Tawi Walker is running the football because you'll hear him hit someone. You'll hear it. Like, there's going to be a collision at some point, and someone's going backwards. And I love that. I love that. It's always, it's always been my – I'm not a big scat back guy. I love me a good power runner. And from Smaje to Tawi, I guess you could say Trey Sermon was kind of a power runner. I think Javante Barnes has shown elements of that. But, yeah, I I like having a running back, Josh, that can just flat out run over people. Heck, yeah. I mean, who doesn't like that? Uh, let's see. Washington wins. FSU wins. Michigan wins. Alabama wins. Texas wins. Three undefeated teams. Two one-loss conference winners. Who's left out? That's from Caleb and Ulaga. Okay. 
I think that is the scenario that I'm rooting for, Josh. I think that is the that is the Chris Plank dream scenario. Assuming that right? Texas doesn't get in and win the national championship. Right. That's very that's very true. But um, Washington wins, FSU wins, Michigan wins, Alabama wins, and Texas wins. So you have three undefeated teams, and then what? Alabama, Texas, Ohio State, and Georgia that would be fighting for one spot. Well, okay, Alabama would get in over Georgia, right? But if the committee was staying true to their head-to-head belief, then wouldn't Texas get in over Alabama? See, that's – I don't want the SEC to miss the playoffs. I, I do think that Georgia and Alabama um, are two of the, if not the best teams in college football. They've been as con- – Michigan, to me, is the best team in college football. I think you have to say that. Well, you know what? Michigan or Georgia, right? Michigan has now one of the best wins beating Ohio State. Sure. And another good but, one with Penn State. Yeah, True. If those are the three, if those three undefeated stay, do you think there's any way that they'll get both Alabama and Georgia in and boot FSU? Do you think Texas gets in over Alabama? I mean, what do you think would happen to that? Do you think how those games play out matters? Like I do? Absolutely. It, it would have to. No doubt. I think it's going to be hard I, to keep Georgia out. Oh, absolutely. All right, so I've got a lot to get into the top five stories of the day. Got a lot of audio. You'll hear Nick Saban make his case for Alabama even before the SEC championship game. Plus, Porter Moser after the OU win last night. And right now, I've got a chance. I've got a chance for you to win a pair of tickets to the OU women's basketball game tonight. All you have to do is, well, A, be able to go. <laughs> That's a, And text uh, Jenny B for Jenny Baranchek. You don't even have to spell it the right way. Just Jenny B. If you guys want to go to the women's basketball game, I've got four tickets, four tickets to give away. Text in right now at 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. It's Plank Show.